When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For everything Buccaneers, it, 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 it's Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns. Now, now, here's your hosts, Casey Hudson and Kaylee Mizell. What's going on, football fans? Welcome to Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns, an Odyssey original podcast that brings you all Tampa Bay Bucks insight and entertainment multiple times a week. So be sure to conveniently download that Odyssey app. Search Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns. Hit that auto-download button so that all of these brand-new episodes are just sitting there waiting for you. And Bucks fans, if you haven't figured it out by now, we are officially in off-season, which means our schedule might adjust just a little bit, but we're still going to be bringing you all of the top news. And there's so much to dive into in the off-season, especially this off-season in particular, because there's going to be a lot of moving pieces. So in order to not miss any of that, Share Jolly Rogers and touchdowns with friends, families, other football fans, Tom Brady fans. There's going to be a lot of conversation around him. You can stream Jolly Rogers and touchdowns on any of your favorite streaming platforms. I'm Casey Hudson, joined by my lovely producer. I don't think lovely is adequate for you. I'll take you it. You are lovely, but yeah. joined by my amazing producer, James Jackson. And it's time for us to sail into a brand new episode of Jolly Rogers and touchdowns, JRTDS. James, what's up? It's nice to see you on this side of I, I know. Fans, hi. This is this is my face um, <laughs> and my voice. You guys have heard Casey and Kaylee kind of allude to what I say in the chat. And now you guys get to hear me just say it over the mic. Actually. Kind of spamming the chat for Casey and Kaylee. Um, so, no, I'm, I'm super excited. I wish I could be debuting on a happier note and a, and a better right. week. But anytime <laughs> I, I can hop on with you, Casey, is a great one. So, yeah, schedules might look a little different for us, but it's not going to be more of a change than the Bucks schedule is going to be. And because, as you alluded to perfectly, the season is over on what was uh, uh, discussed. Uh, yeah, on what was what? On what was whatever that wild card what game was. What was what is yeah, probably what the what. best way to put that. My Before goodness. we get into what was what, um, and yes, fans, I'm so excited for you guys to actually hear James's voice because he is such an asset in that chat and he always has like the funniest one-liners too. So now you guys are just, you're getting the entertainment yeah, part live and direct now. And entertainment. Yeah. It's about <laughs> time. So before we get into the, what was what, which there's no better way to put that, uh, <laughs> some team updates. If you guys did watch and finish watch, I should actually clarify. If you finished watching that yeah. Cowboys bucks game, uh, then you did see a, a situation with Russell Gage on the field. That was extremely scary. Um, we did see, Russell Gage kind of have an irritation in his lower back versus the Falcons game. Uh, and then, you know, he walked it off, made it to the sideline, and everyone was like, whew, exhale. But then, like, it was kind of the same thing. Going up for a, a catch, uh, comes down, the defender kind of had his arm, like, mangled around his neck. So it was just like an awkward fall. When you initially saw the fall, it looked like a knee injury. Then you remember, okay, his back wasn't looking so hot no. last week, and then it turned into like, oh, the mangling of the arm around the neck and the impact of the fall. All that to say, it took some time to get Russell Gage off the field, and then he did have to go to the hospital to get checked out, concussion protocol, all the things, all of the 
all of his extremities are moving, which is the best news that you can ever hear when somebody collects a neck injury or anything in their back. Um, there is potentially a neck injury. They have just not revealed or clarified mm -hmm. specific injuries, but he is doing well. He's in good spirits. Um, they said that, you know, he should be getting released from the hospital soon after further examination of his neck and his back. So the biggest news always is the health of these players, the health of these guys. I feel like we've just seen some interesting injuries this season. And I yeah. know that every season kind of has its thing, but the consistency of injuries or of head and neck injuries, you know, right? Of, of head and neck injuries. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like been a little concussions. Alarming. Yeah. galore we had Cameron Brait with a scary neck injury mm -hmm. like to think that he came back and played at any point is terrifying I mean yeah. kudos to his wife Brooke because I don't even know if I could sit there and be like yeah you're going yeah go back out there yeah injury. yeah and yeah and no I'd be like you probably should pop a squat and mm -hmm. you know do some meditation meet me at yoga <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah get some sleep hang 10 yeah, yeah get sure. some sleep <laughs> but it's it's really scary um yeah. so at least good news biggest news in in our personal books um but then that kind of takes us over to some other conversations as you guys know that we are officially in the off season some things get moving along right away meetings and press conferences took place yesterday james and i will get into some press conference quotes and conversations james i cannot wait That'll to pick your brain That'll on some of these responses Look. um Look. But the Bucks did sign 13 players to future contracts. And let's see how many of these names I can read off without absolutely butchering. It's only Wednesday. I'm freshly back on caffeine. Let's do this. Uh, Bucks signed the following players. Uh, Dylan Cook, Don Gardner, Kalen Geiger Sr. That's interesting that he has the senior on there. Okay. Yeah. Mike Green, <laughs> Grant Hermans, Patrick Lard, Duran Lowe. Here we go. Ham... Hamilcar Rashid Jr. Yeah, I feel like you, you, did, okay. you did as well as you could. You did as well as you could. As well one. as, as yeah, well as. Good. We'll keep on rolling. Uh, Justin Schooley, Charles yeah. Snowden, Nolan Turner, and David Wells. Um, do any of those names, A, sound familiar, B, bring any excitement to you <laughs> whatsoever? Um, I got a little excited that you got Rashid's last name or Rashid's whole name almost correct. I feel like that's not that's not an easy thing that you just did. So maybe that's a little omen for how how much he's going to be on Am the team. Or how, his, yeah, there we here. go. Um, Wells is the only thing that rings a, a, a kind of a bell, and that's because we have Josh Wells as a also. But you know, and and yep. so we'll we'll see if we got you know if we go back to the well twice uh, this next <laughs> coming season. Um, Double Wells. Yeah, the, the, the double walls. But Casey, I did want to go back to the Russell Gage point just a little bit because oh, yeah. I don't, I don't, in, a, in a year with, especially on the Bucks, in a year where we had a lot of turmoil, a lot of injuries, a lot of players battling through a lot of things, I'm not sure like Russell Gage got the uh, admiration or, or really got just the, the kudos that he really should have in such a down year. Because this is a dude who, you're right, battled an injury at the end of last season that saw him leave Atlanta. And he comes to a yep. Bucks team that was supposed to have, we talked about it all in the beginning of the season, right? This loaded wide receiver core, this wide receiver room that's supposed to rival any team in the league. And it doesn't happen like that. And then within that, Russell Gage starts battling injury. He wasn't healthy for the beginning of the season, missed time, came back and was kind of battling in and out of the lineup, in and out of the lineup, and then comes back in the last, what, three, four games of the season, and you see production 
from Russell Gage. And you see him yep. start to get a little bit more comfortable in the offense, start to establish a little bit of a, a rhythm and a chemistry with Tom Brady. And it really, and it really stinks that, you know, this kind of happens to him in the time it happened to him. Cause let's not yeah. forget the game was over. The game was decided. The bucks were playing for pride and to make the score a little bit more respectable at Less the end of the game. And that is the last time you want to see a player go down is in a game that's already decided and a game that you cannot win anymore. And that level of injury for Russell Gage is just, it's super, um, like, like, like it's just super unnecessary and just something you don't want to see. So I, it was great that, you know, he was moving all extremities and coach Bull said he saw him wing, wiggling his, his toes and fingers as he was being mm -hmm. carted off. And, and the thing that was really scary, and Coach Bulls kind of alluded to in his press conference, is that it looked like Russell Gage tried to move his legs and couldn't. Like, you see, right after the play, you kind of see that him That was do the a part that twitch. freaked me out. Yes, which is yeah. with his back. Like, you see him try to get up, and he looks down almost like, like what's, mm -hmm. like, I'm moving, I'm trying to move, but I can't move. And that's the yeah. biggest, the most alarming thing. Um, so that was the thing that I was most, that gave me most comfort what I heard about the update to his injury. is like, okay, everything's moving. Like he couldn't move yes. it at first. He might've been a little bit of shock body might've froze, but everything is moving. And that's great because I think that would be an, an, an off season. That's got a lot of dark clouds around Tampa Bay. This would be the mm -hmm. ultimate dark cloud and the ultimate mood killer is if you knew that Russell Gates sustained any kind of permanent injury or permanent damage at that time of your season. It's like, like that, that, mm -hmm. that would kind of, you know, wrap a bow around the, the dumpster fire that was the season. So that's, that's, There'd I want to give him his kudos and also guilt. like, yeah, reaffirm how great it is that that player mm -hmm. in particular was able to try to get himself off the turf and it's going to be okay. So I, I want to, I'm so glad that you actually touched back on that and pointed that out because mentioning and describing to fans how scary it looked in, in terms of him wanting to move and not move. Yeah. Taking into consideration also adrenaline. There's so mm -hmm. many instances where adrenaline allows the body to do things that it will not get up yeah, in yeah. a few hours. Right. So like to have that feeling in that moment and for adrenaline to not be able to punch through and allow him to move in at, at, at that time and then hear something different in the hospital is is so scary. Yeah. Scary. So I'm so glad that you, that you painted that picture actually, because it mm. is important to realize that's it's so mental. It's so mental. Um, which also brings me to another discussion you and I had moments before we started the show, which was, you know, how is Ryan Jensen feeling the morning after that yeah. game? coming back from his injury? Um, guys, if you guys, if you didn't read up on the fact that it wasn't just a ACL or MCL, it was like a combination of tendons in his knee um, the whole Ryan knee Jensen pretty much is still yeah, the basically whole the whole knee. Yeah. yeah. And he's sticking by the fact that he's not doing off season surgery. Um, there's just going to see how it goes. He's going to continue to feel it out with that, you know, to bounce back without any sort of major surgery to come back for that game, you know, Cowboys pass rush was insane mm -hmm. on Monday night. Insane. So you're not even coming back to any sort of mild adjustment. I get it, guys. Playoffs alone has an intensity to it. But playoffs with the pass rush that the Cowboys delivered on Monday was just intense. And so to bring your body back into that element at that speed, at that rate, at that level of intensity, I, you know, I would Ultimate love to know to how. Red. Exactly. Like to come in with that. And the soreness has got to be different. There just has to be so much different in terms of, but it all comes back to the mentality that 
athletes have to succeed or be in this league to have their men- their name ever mentioned mm-hmm. um, because there's not a lot of people that can just do that and make it seem so seamless. Of course yeah. it's not seamless, but just to make it seem so seamless. And he was in such Ryan Jensen form. I mean, I forget uh, which player it was that tried to like, Micah walk Parsons. through the offensive Yeah, line. he oh pushed him God. out the huddle twice, pushed him out the huddle. And it was twice. like – And you heard – you heard uh, Troy Aikman. He actually said it a, a, one too many times. It started to get a little weird. <laughs> but he, he kept saying, "Ryan, that's that nastiness that Ryan Jensen brings that the Bucks." Yeah, he was making it sound negative. Yeah, a little like Jensen's the first time. Not I, negative. First time he said it, I was like, "Absolutely." Second time he said it, I was like, "Okay." Third time he said it, I was like, "Troy, you're a little too infatuated with the nastiness." Let's <laughs> let's kind of move you're on. You're trying to make nasty yeah, sound we're, nasty, like yeah, naughty versus yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, you not, you know pretty. what I mean. That's that toughness we miss. Yeah, Ryan a little too nasty right now. But I I, I really think, and I, there's nothing that you can really, no stats, nothing that, no tape you can point to this. But if Ryan Jetson's not there, Micah Parsons might stay in that huddle, might walk through the huddle. No one else was pushing him out of that huddle. Ryan Jetson was the no. only one getting him out. So, like, that mentality is what the Bucks needed. And like, mentality only carries you so far, clearly. But right. I like that. That's what he brought back. But, Casey, you mentioned coming back. At, at the time and with the, the speed and the physicality of the pass rush, the position that Ryan Jensen came back to. This is a this yep. is the center. This is a guy, pound for pound, this guy yep. takes the most beating on a play-by-play basis and is playing one of no, the hardest positions ran by a dude who expects perfection. This is Tom Brady. And Tom Brady had been dialing down the offense and the offensive line schemes because of who he had in there. And I'm sure mm-hmm. there was a little bit of, wow, I get to take the reins off and do these complicated blocking schemes because I got big red back. That's a yeah. lot more pressure. And then you go on the other side, and we'll get into this a little bit in the game review. A defensive coordinator like Dan Quinn, who's who already loves to bring pressure. And if I know the middle of your blood. line, yes, and I know if the middle of your line <laughs> isn't 100%, I'm sending dogs right up the A-gap. And you saw him do that. Was not, over didn't hesitate. Over. To send Michael Parsons up to up the middle, to send these guys yeah. up the middle. Parsons was everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. To, to send Leighton Vanderesh up the middle on a blitz and and make Ryan Jensen kind of earn his spot back and and mm-hmm. and kind of test Big Ground and see like how well are you in the middle of this line? And I think Ryan Jensen held up as, as well as he could. There were obviously some things on the tape that you wish he did a little bit better, but this is a guy who practiced right. one time before facing you know, one of the best teams in the NFC. So I'm um, um, the, the soreness. I can't imagine what Ryan Jensen <laughs> felt like yesterday waking up. Like I, 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 on big red, wasn't his nickname. That's the, the, that's what his body felt like. Just a big ball of fire. When a he big ball like, of inflammation. Like, oh my Luckily goodness. He's got a friend called Tom Brady who owns the TB12. And oh, yeah. put, him right that, put him right in that chamber. Yeah, yeah, like he should have just stayed the night there. He should have gone straight from the field to TB12 and yeah. had he might have a slept mini in that, retreat. That bio, what is it? The biochromatic, whatever it's called. He might have just slept in that. He might have just slept <laughs> Yeah, in that. it would have been in his best interest. His body would thank him next week maybe because yeah, that's going to sure. take some time to wind down from. Mm-hmm. But on that note, James, because you started to throw out such great information and we can only hold off so long to get yeah, to the madness. That was Monday, so let's do this. Bucks fall to the Cowboys, uh, thirty-one to fourteen, and I want to say that that fourteen. I wish that I was coming on here and saying that those fourteen points were 
early in the game, halfway through this magnificent rally, and then they just, you know, the Cowboys out cowboyed them or something. Tell her how it is. No, the unfortunate odyssey to this conversation, to this recap, to this season ending situation is the fact that the Bucks defense came out hot for eight minutes, exhausted themselves, did not adjust to the Cowboys adjustments and got ran all over. The Bucks did not find the end zone until the end of the game. And if you can go back to that mental picture that James painted for you in terms of Russell Gage being in when the game was over, trying to make these monumental plays, what that injury would have really, really been talked about, how that injury would have been talked about if it was worse in the timing in which it was collected. It's because, yeah, the Bucs tried to rally. And of course, you want to see your team fight the good fight all the way to the end. But this game was the Cowboys game. 90% of the time Mm -hmm. and to what extent well the first thing that stands out to me James is the fact that this team had almost 20 more offensive possessions than the Bucks did Mm -hmm. which is embarrassing things happen yeah but full control of the game they had 34 34 minutes and 34 seconds of possession compared to the Bucks 25 minutes and 26 seconds of possession offensive plays. Are you ready? The Cowboys actually had 69 offensive plays to the Bucks 80 plays. Now that totaled up more so in that fourth, in that third and fourth quarter, mm-hmm. not the first half offensive yards. Cowboys have 425 to the Bucks 386 yards per play through 6.2 to the Bucks 4.8. And then one of the things that I mentioned on the last few episodes of Jolly Rogers and touchdowns was please do not go out there and collect stupid penalties. It'll cost you nearly 30 yards, please don't 34 get yards and penalties. I'm going to take a, just like a quick little pauser on that. And let's just, and it's not, let's even, get into it is that. not even all Donovan. So I would love to sit here and, be, and, and throw Donovan Smith off the plank and be like, it's, it's all not you. on but him. it's not on him. I'm not even, did he collect a penalty himself in that? I'm not even sure. He, everyone was talking about how he wasn't healthy and he may not come I back. Think he got one. He and got he, one penalty. It wasn't even all on him. I, I got to look at that secondary a lot. And trust me, I will, I will talk about that secondary for a little bit, but as a, as a, as a, as a whole, this is what I saw, and, and I'm glad that you talked about the yardage and the plays because you look at the number of plays ran and the yardage, and you're like, one, the yardage disparity is not crazy. They had – when the yardage mm-hmm. disparity, you look at it, it's like an extra possession, right? They had an extra 60, 70 yards of offense. That's like another possession for the Cowboys. Yep. I'm cool with that. Um, the number of <laughs> plays ran, we outnumber them in number of plays is because we have, you know, four three and outs compared to right. one – 10 play drive for the Cowboys. So we will have more plays that results in less points, um, which right. is just your team running on and off the field. That's not what you want to do. The The Buccaneers defense came out for that first eight minutes, uh, uh, forced the Cowboys into back-to-back three and outs. It looked mm-hmm. great. And then we saw Casey, a microcosm of what you and Kaylee had been talking about all season is the offense not helping out the defense. And yes, like, what what the Buccaneers didn't do is keep Dak in the nervous state. Dak Prescott mm-hmm. came out with all sort. You could see it. The lights were a little bright. He's playing a divisional game or a, a, a playoff game on Monday yeah, night. That twinkle in his eye. 
You know what I mean? The, the second, third play of the game, he goes to throw a bubble screen to CD Lamb and nearly and nearly throws it like three yards away from him just because he's so nervous he can't even grip the ball right. And when I saw that, I was like, this is the Buccaneers' opportunity to jump all over the Cowboys and get them while they're down. Get them before they establish a rhythm. Get them before and that. get a turnover. Do, do something. Do something. Mm-hmm. So they don't – Dallas goes and, and, and scores in the first possession. So then the Buccaneers – in that answer possession are driving down the field. And, and yep. that's not something that I anticipated to see a lot. I thought as soon as we got down, we'd go into panic mode and a three and out would happen. A not sustained drive would happen. Here goes the Cowboys. And then I watched the offense move it 80 yards down the field. And then what else happens? Something that again, we've been talking about all season, not finishing drives in the red zone. Casey, I'm not sure how you saw that Tom Brady interception, but that might have been <sighs> one of the worst plays, not not in his Buccaneers career, but like entire. his career. There, his there entire was, career. He panicked. His entire he panicked career. like he was a first-year, second-year quarterback in his first playoff game. And instead of throwing it out the back of the end zone like we've seen him do thousands of times, he panics and chucks the ball up to Russell Gage, who's not even looking at the ball, who's not even expecting to get the ball. There was two up. Cowboys jerseys in coverage and one Bucks jersey that was clearly just like eliminated from the play. It yeah. made zero sense. It made zero sense. And, and is Tom Brady allowed to muck up? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. But sure. not like that and not in the red zone. And while you finish your perfect point, their right. red zone percentage was 33%. Yeah, kick. Continue. We're not, we're not, we're not going to beat anybody in the playoffs. No good teams. If we're not able to answer and keep their best players on the sideline. And that that's not yep. what, what the bucks did at all. So, so that happened and that eliminated the bucks ability to stay in attack mode because now the Cowboys offense comes back on the field and what, what helps a quarterback with nerves, give me an extra possession. Yep. Like, Instead of Dak going back out in the field with a tie ball game and feeling the pressure of having to answer Tom Brady's drive, he goes mm-hmm. back on the front foot knowing that if I score here, we go up two scores and the game looks out of hand for them. A Buccaneers team that cannot play from behind. So that's right. the ultimate confidence, the ultimate breathe. And in that drive, that fourth possession for the Cowboys, it was when you saw Dak completely settle in. And to me, it was it was almost out of reach right there. Like when you saw the, yeah. the Cowboys go for their second consecutive 80 yard drive, move the bucks down the field, convert on a third and fourth down on that drive. Like, you know, they're settled in Dak is confident. Kellen Moore is confident in his play. Like they're, they're more confident than us right now. And it's over. Like once they won the confidence battle, I, I thought the game was over right there. That it was an early turning point in the game for me, but I thought that was where the bucks lost it right in that, not in that possession, mm-hmm. but in that play. That Tom yeah. Brady play is where I think the game got turned on its head. Well, and then confidence being a key factor here is so crucial because here's the thing. Cowboys had some some issues on their end that should have weighed against their confidence or maybe mm-hmm. got in their head a little bit if the Bucks were able to come out and suffocate them. The Very way good. that the Cowboys defense was suffocating, stifling the Bucks offense. Now, 
the Cowboys kicker goes out there and misses almost every misses every kick except for one for the night. That could have been mental warfare right, right there. there. Like, okay, he right missed there. the extra point. Let's let let's run this down their throat. Let's smother them. Let's get in their heads. Let's, let's let them, them know that those that. extra points are going to cost them. Yes, let's make cost them, them never because you them still saw yes. exactly yes. you yes. still saw concern on Dak Prescott yes. on the sidelines when he missed the second freaking field goal of the night. And slammed his helmet and was like, of course, F, two of them. Yeah. Right. You Go saw there was a there was a moment there that you could have been like, Yeah, I'm getting in your head. I'm coming in the water. Yep, I'm I'm there. Yep. But Casey, but they you didn't can't, do that. They didn't have that. They did not have, they have that. the confidence in themselves. Like you can't look at the at the other sideline and be like, guys, which reflects to me no confidence in the coaching staff. But yeah. continue. No, no, yeah. but I because that that message has to come from somewhere. And if mm -hmm. and if Todd Bowles isn't isn't or the coaching staff or Tom Brady isn't confident in themselves, you're not looking at the other sideline and watching their demeanor. You're too worried about yep. why we're not doing X, Y, and Z. So our head is down, our head's in a surface tablet, our head's in a huddle, instead of looking at the other sideline and be like, guys, look how look how messed up they are. Look how not yeah. dialed in they are. Let's jump on them. I'm not even sure if they would notice Dak Prescott slamming his helmet down because they're not like they're, they're not worried about that. And it's, it's something that I see a lot, especially in the playoffs. And, and we saw it last year with the Rams, with Cam Akers fumbling three times in five minutes. It's like mm -hmm. when a team plays Tom Brady, they they do bugaboo stuff. Like they they right. almost <laughs> almost get so nervous that Tom Brady's on the other side that non-football mm -hmm. things happen. And you will find yourself, if you're on a Tom Brady team, able to stay in the game because the other team is just going to make mistakes that are inexplicable. And I and yeah. it's not something that I always want to predict because like who's gonna like how can you predict something like that's gonna happen? But, but I'm it saying happens after the game like, they want this man's signature and stuff like the Cowboys are gonna do something stupid to keep us in the game. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, four missed extra points. And Casey you hit it on the head. Four. We never made them feel that the fact that it's not even a talking point days after the game shows you how right. little the Buccaneers made the Cowboys feel that or pay for that. And that's, that's just, that's awful. I think that's awful. Well, that they almost got rewarded for that nonsense because then we talk, we jump back to that yeah. extra possession conversation that you mentioned that extra possession should have never gone to the Cowboys. That should have been in the Bucks favor of applying mm -hmm. the pressure of the mistakes of their kicker. It's just any opportunity they got to apply pressure. It didn't really come come up to par whatsoever and yeah. i think that the confidence think, think angle this. is the most crucial one to pay attention to because they almost right. played themselves out of this game mm -hmm. and, and think about this maher misses that extra point if brady doesn't throw that interception even if they don't get six out of it mm -hmm. you live to see another down you let suck up hit a field goal it's a six to three ball game and guess what Dak goes back out there with pressure like that yep. goes back out there with saying like I got to put points on the board because if I don't, they come back and either tie or take the lead. Now I'm not mm -hmm. playing comfortable. Now I'm pressing. Now I'm forcing. Now I'm, I feel the need to do it. And Dak doesn't play well with that. Dak plays well nope. with like playing on the front foot, playing mm -hmm. on with, with a larger margin of error. And, and maybe that's what we can kind of boil all this down to is we extended the Cowboys margin of error. Every time we didn't make them feel it, every time we turn the ball over, the Cowboys' margin for error got larger and the Buccaneers' margin for error got smaller. And these yep. are, I think, both teams in the playoffs that weren't really built to play from a deficit. 
So whoever jumped yeah. on that front foot was going to was probably going to win the game. And they and we allowed them not they did it, Casey. Mm-hmm. The Buccaneers allowed them to do it, allowed them yes. to jump back on that front foot, take command, and that's it right there. But I the the, the, tra- the trajectory of the game goes completely different if it's six three going into that fourth cowboys possession instead of six yep. zero off a turnover. Like uh, that's yeah. And the, the longer that they sat at that zero mark is the more that it just gassed up the Cowboys as well. And the pressure that they were able to apply in week one, the mental warfare they were able to bring to the game week one, we didn't see any of that on Monday night. And it's interesting because if you guys didn't catch the episode with John Ledyard, even though the game has come and gone, still great insight and evaluation mm-hmm. of these players, um, of some of the play calling, of the position groups. You're going to want to go back and listen to that episode with the one and only John Ledyard. But he also mentioned the fact that you know, Shaq Barrett was a huge part of that pressure application in week one. And what will that be like without him there in, in, in the wild card matchup? And while we have so much faith and confidence in some of the things that we were seeing out of Anthony Nelson and Carl Nassib, it, it almost felt like a tremendous difference. Like I saw the way that John explained that play out in the game and other games, I would have probably begged to, to differ that, you know, Oh, Carl Nassib could probably give a little bit more. He could step up. Nobody was able to step up and fulfill that role. JTS mm-hmm. had a pretty solid game. You know, he's he's a bull in a china shop. He uh, tries to rely on his athleticism sometimes more than Disruptor. strategy, which yeah. can work. Yeah, which can work. Um, is it maybe a little early in his career to try to have that? I, In my personal opinion, yes. But if he continues to make that his focus, he can make it his own and he can make it, you know, actually play pay off on the field it didn't pay off as much on monday was he probably one of the top people applying pressure absolutely besides vita vea and akeem hicks in all of that though it's just the team as a whole didn't have that i didn't see that fire that you saw in week one not even week two and that just takes us back to another revolving conversation we've had here on jolly rogers and touchdowns of how it starts from the head you mentioned that as well So in all of this, they just created so many opportunities for the Cowboys to stay afloat, for them to stay in a good mental capacity, for them to feel like they're in full control of this game. And Dak was just racking up, you know, certain accolades on the field too, which is unfortunate to see because that's just fueling the fire of confidence. Um, 25 attempts, 36 or 33 completions, his complete percentage of 75.8. This is a guy who typically can be forced to make mistakes, big throws, turnovers press turnover rate in this game was so clean so clean probably one of the cleanest executed games by Dak Prescott 75.8 complete rate comes to 53 percent when Tom Brady's your quarterback now am I putting that entirely on Tom no but you can't come out and look like a team that hasn't had many reps together. Like that's what you see in week one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Not in the wild card matchup. It was almost like a time machine. Like I felt like I was watching in some moments, honestly, I felt like I was watching a training camp preseason matchup. Yes. Yes. And it looked like that's some of, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, look, I'm glad you brought it here. Let's talk about the defense. Cause, cause I, <laughs> I, 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 we, we hammered the offensive lot, and I think I hammered the offensive lot because the defense kind of starts good and the offense doesn't help them out. But then the defense mm-hmm. falls apart too. Like, it's, this is not all on the offense. This is a defense who – The amount of busted know, coverages, I – sick over. Sick. Casey, the, and, and it's the times that they happen. It's like 
Mm-hmm. It's like they feel the the monumental or the monument of the moment, and and it locks them up a little bit because in that and and I I don't know if it was that fourth drive, but either late first half or early second half, the Cowboys are on a third and one or a fourth and one, and I believe it's a fourth and one, and they do a play action a play action pass to Pollard, and Dalton Schultz sneaks oh. right out the back door. And no one's covering. And I'm sorry. The Cowboys got a couple weapons on offense. Top three on that list is Dalton Schultz. And it's a guy who's since like week seven, eight, his catches per game go up and up and up mm-hmm. and up. Be a clear target for Dak Prescott. So I'm sorry. And, and a man coverage assignment. Why is Dalton Schultz not picked up and leaking out the back door for a 20 yard game? So the, and, and, and that's why when you say it looked like a training camp, because that's what it was. It's pre-snap. Mm-hmm communication, pre-snap execution, because you see two guys going to one place. You see a guy not in a spot where he should be. And it's right. it's so so much is not on a string with that defensive secondary. It makes you hard to, to do anything. Like, it makes it hard mm-hmm. for a guy like Todd Bowles who wants to run a complex defensive scheme and zone blitzes and bring in Antoine Winfield. Like, you can't do that if the rest of your secondary isn't sewing it up, like it does you no right. good to bring Antoine Winfield off a blitz to almost get home when he turns behind him and there's a huge void in the secondary like that, that, that does you gap. zero good. It does you and zero good. Pause on that for a second, because what right. is one thing that I said to John and Jeff last week that I was scared of just because Winfield Jr. is so versatile does not mean that you just have him all over the place and not strategically hone in on where he could be more useful. He Mm -hmm. is so athletic. If you know that they're going to try to spread this ball, you need to rely on your front guys to manage the run game and not make that Winfield Jr.'s sit, uh, make that his responsibility, especially again, the adjusting portion of it. So after Mm -hmm. you see that they're going to their tight ends and their tight ends are actually making a, a, a mess of the situation, that's when you decide, okay, let's adjust. Let's maybe not have Winfield Jr. play up so tight. Let's drop him back a little bit. Let's get some coverage going on in the middle of the field here. Their adjusting was – and it, that's the part that shocks me the most too because Todd Bowles is respected for his defensive scheme and for his defensive mind. I didn't see the adjustments that you would think a brilliant man would make back there, and they were unable to lock in on a guy like Schultz. And you said it. He's been a go-to guy. He was projected as possibly the first scorer, got that first TD for this team anyway, then also led this team with 95 receiving yards. Schultz, Mm -hmm. not Lamb, not Gallup, not Hilton, Schultz. (laughs) There was no no locking him down or eliminating him or containing him. Yeah, it was... was Like like you said, busted coverages, blown coverages, and and from Todd Bowles' point, like... I'm not sure the adjustment he could have made, you know, because because what do you do? Like we we're we're not good in coverage right now, so you sit back in a zone and allow no pass rush to get there. Because I'm looking at a secondary who we can't lock up man to man, but do I trust my secondary to cover four or five seconds of play while a four man pass rush tries to get there? Like I almost I almost don't trust that either. Um, and the and the the nail in the coffin score to CD Lamb. When CeeDee Lamb was wide open, you see Carlton Davis blowing assignment again. The the two-point yeah. conversion where they where they score, a ball goes right through Carlton Davis's hands where he should have had an interception and should have stopped it. So there's plays to be made. 
There's things to do on this defense, and it's just a lack of showing up. And and so I think more that's accountability a little bit on the players than the adjustment of the coaches. A little bit because, and it's also a little bit of byproduct of I, I think there were maybe two, maybe three weeks all season where we had our whole secondary. So we have guys who are playing out of position, playing in places they're not used to. And then when they get back, I'm not used to Sean Murphy Bunting is not used to playing all year with Antoine Winfield Jr. Or, you know, you mm-hmm. remove Jamel Dean for four or five weeks of the season. Now he's back. Call, you know, Carlton Davis is going to the slot. You miss Carlton Davis for the last three weeks. You know, just all this revolving door. And now we got one week as a healthy unit to try to pull it all together to play one of the most explosive offenses in the league. So, yes, it's tough, right. but. You know, this is this is the same unit You're who pros. won the Super Bowl two years ago. So should I expect <laughs> yeah. them to be able to put it together? And yes. Like I like I I, I know mm-hmm. it's a tough ask, but I I watched you win a Super Bowl two years ago with the same people. So I should expect right. you to be able to pull it together and look better than what you did on Monday night, and it just didn't. See, you were able to put such a perfect bow on that because, like, while you're right, there's a lot of accountability on the players, and there may have not been too many adjustments that could be made. I think that there could be adjustments in, in the in the responsibility on particular players because there's guys who this secondary has been injury prone since last season. I mean, all last season, think of the rotation of yeah, yeah, the yeah, guys that would go down, the guys that would step up. I mean, D. Delaney, let's look at his statistics of last season, how much work he had to put in. So mm-hmm. that I feel like that revolving door in that secondary has been so consistent, at least for almost two years here now, that whatever's asked of them shouldn't feel like moving mountains. It should just feel like, mm-hmm. okay, here we go again. So definitely so much to consider in that. Bucks fans, we, of course, want to hear from you per usual. You know, what did you think of the defensive performance? Did offense come out and think that they could rely on defense again? Did they just not come out and and perform? Were they unable to string things together? Was it one particular piece of the offense or defense? Was it everyone as a whole? Or was it as simple as the fact that they didn't have the confidence and the right, um, I want to say, guidance but i mean that from a coaching standpoint not a leadership standpoint but guidance you know to get them through this this cowboys matchup that Mm -hmm. could have been winnable for them or at least much much closer covering that two and a half point spread that i thought they would have at least covered Mm -hmm. so with that said guys we're going to get into a little bit of off-season conversation because it's officially the off-season and the first thing that came to everybody's mind when this game wrapped up in the poor fashion in which it did was all of the GM hats that fans love to wear, that media loves to wear, that everyone loves to wear. That's kind of the so fun we in We know better. Season. We know better as the media. Exactly. <laughs> I will say better. I have a kick out of this. <laughs> so yesterday I tweeted, all right, Bucks fans, what offseason moves do you want to see? Keep it classy because we're not here to mentally attack anybody. We're not here to take things too far, but we are here to – voice our opinions james and i will give uh one key offseason move each and then i will dive into a lot of you guys's um great classy respectful responses and uh i'm excited to see where this offseason goes james what is your first thing that comes to mind for this offseason movement the first thing that comes to mind for me casey obvious besides the obvious elephant in the room which we will get to of, of what the buccaneers have to decide what to do with their best player um, you kind of hit on it a little bit, and I'm looking at kind of the trenches. Um, and I wish we had our girl Carmen on here, the queen of the trenches, because I'm, I'm sure she could. I know. I know. I'm sure she could empathize with me with this point. But how how do you help a struggling defensive secondary? How do you help a struggling offense and a quarterback who's struggling to get the ball down the field 
is show up your line. And that's two things that the Buccaneers in their Super Bowl run had the best of. The best offensive line and probably right. the best defensive line when it came to, came to run stopping and containing the quarterback. And it's things we didn't see this year. A little bit was due to injury, and that's on the mm-hmm. offensive end. But on the defensive end, I just think it was we, we lost pieces and we didn't gain what we lost. Right. We lost a guy like JPP, who I think, you know, you kind of you kind of realize how much you had now that he's gone. And then when Shaq Barrett goes down, you lost like the technicality on that edge. And you talked Mm -hmm. about so greatly how JTS is so athletic and he can disrupt and he can go everywhere. But when it's time to play sound DN football and secure the edge and eat up a block and turn people back inside your defense, that's not something JTS was doing or calling a sib or Anthony Nelson. And in the third quarter, that's when you saw Tony Pollard kind of get off, right? You saw him yep. get the edges. You saw him break off these big runs. And it's because we don't have, we didn't have that DN to kind of set the edge and turn them back and loose. And I kind of want to see that from the pass rushing standpoint as well. As you look at Shaq Barrett, the last two years, you have one year where he was a pro bowler. And then you have the next year where he's three sacks off the NFL sack record. And we hadn't, right. we hadn't seen that. We hadn't seen the Buccaneers really make life tough for opposing quarterbacks in a pass rush like that. I want to see us get back to that, whether that's in the draft, whether that's going and getting someone, one of these uh, veteran pass rushers. I don't have like a name off the top of my head, but doing that. And then the offensive line, like if you want to bring Tom Brady back, if you want to bring another quarterback back here, let's not make it so he doesn't, he doesn't feel like he can't hold the ball past two seconds in the pocket. Right. And we talked a lot about why we were so frustrated not seeing the offense push the ball down the field. I don't think Tom Brady had confidence in his offensive line and in his team to hold protection enough for him to look down the field, for them, for him to allow these routes to develop, to hit Mike Evans 30, 40 yards down the field. I got to have four or five seconds in the pocket to be able to do it. And there were times where I think he had that, but he didn't feel like he did. Like he felt like I'm at three seconds in my head. It's going to break down, get the ball out instead of knowing that, Hey, I got an offensive line. That's going to hold it for this extra half a second to allow Mike Evans to create that separation. So I can hit him down the field. I just, you know what I mean? So those two, that's a big splash name is cool. If we go and get, you know, a a big time, (laughs) a big time cornerback, a big time running, but that's cool. That'll, that'll, bring the headlines in and that'll that'll be great for the podcast awesome i would not i would not be unhappy i would be happy if the first move made draft offseason whatever was getting a a dominican sue replacement getting a a donovan smith replacing a jpp a sack a shock bear getting one of those guys back in the trenches i would love that get the Mm -hmm. foundation shirt up we can talk about the special players later that's what i want to see Oh, I love that. I don't think you could have unraveled that any better than you did, Um, which takes me to basically what you touched on. It's going to start in the trenches. We saw too many issues on offensive line. Um, A lot of health concerns obviously played into it, but just mistakes that took too long to clean up. And I don't Mm. think they ever really got cleaned up. Um, I mentioned earlier in the segment here on Jolly Rogers and touchdowns that you know, you kind of have those first four weeks in the season to roll out the kinks and, you know, see what actually works and see yeah. how people are, are, are digesting their playbook and, you know, adjusting their skill set. 
we didn't see much of that. Um, we've talked about it here a lot too, about the fact that this team, I personally feel, uh, Kaylee mentioned her feelings on it, that this team lacked a lot of accountability that mm. works against you in terms of developing and mm. making those changes in practice to apply on the field when it matters. It was just pulling teeth to see any sort of accountability and adjustments happen with this team, especially with this offense. So for me, first and foremost, it's this offensive line. I think it was underestimated how affected this team would be without Alan Marpet. That was a huge loss for this for this all for this O line. And you know, while there's been mixed reviews of Kappa, there's certain offensive linemen that play outstanding next to particularly, you know, um technically sound yeah. offensive linemen. You have to it's a puzzle. The O line is very much a puzzle. And mm-hmm. I would love to hear Carmen's opinion on this, obviously because she's brilliant about the trenches, but it is a puzzle piece. So while not every guy might have this outstanding uh, resume in terms of how they function on the offensive line, if they have the right puzzle piece next to them that they can confidently say, okay, he manages this Mm -hmm. this way, which means I can focus on this this way. I don't think anyone was able to particularly figure out what their role on that line was. Is it great to have a versatile, quote unquote, versatile line? Yeah, but when you have too many expectations on you, when when your assignment is is vague in a sense, you can't show up and show out in in your own. Like you you have to still have an identity within. And yeah. I think that that was the problem. This offensive line had no identity. So much went out of the uh, went went flying to the wind when Ryan Jensen went out. Um, Hainsey, I think, did a phenomenal job of stepping up into such a huge role the way that he had to and the timeliness that he had to do it in. But still, it was just like we were throwing guys out there and saying figure it out versus making the puzzles actually click together and making it make sense. So offensive line is going to need a few moves, at least two or three different moves. I'm with Um, it. And this whole sitting on our heels being like, well, we've had Wells a part of the program and Clever did a good job. Stop doing the bare minimum. Stop doing just enough because I think that's where they hurt this team too. Yeah, like we've got all these veterans. So all we need, like, no, this is not a a basic plug and play situation. And how do you actually see this player learning from or working with this player does it click does it make sense how much time do you think they need they don't have a whole season to get it together they've got a couple weeks and the way training camp played out the way the preseason games played out you expect it to just be a 360 and how the season's going to play out i feel like the tone didn't change too much from what happened then so Casey, for me you put O-line. it so beautifully you put it so beautifully about the puzzle piece and i think for an offensive line, that's your main worry. Is how do these these guys play on a string? Like how do these guys play together? It's like if Ryan Jensen, yeah, if Ryan Jensen passes off a blocking assignment to his left, he's got to know that this person is going to pick up what I just passed off. Not leave yeah. a big hole in the middle to go right to our quarterback. And mm-hmm. like it, 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 our points play off each other because like they went out and got Julio Jones. Name cool it is awesome. They went on and got Russell Gage. Name. Uh, it's great. Like, it's <laughs> awesome. But we had, we lost two offensive linemen and another one went down. We lost a pass rusher and another one went down. I, I would, I would maybe love to see a name that not everyone's too familiar with. But when you check the tape, you're like, wow, he's going to play great next to our offensive line. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. He fits perfectly <laughs> into our defensive scheme. You went on and got Julio Jones just because, like, we, I can go say I got Julio Jones. Like, and, and, and an I'm, already I'm, loaded I'm a loaded receiver room. Yeah, I'm a like, victim of that. 
I'm a victim. We got Julio to y'all. You remember how hype I was? Oh, yeah, was Julio Jones play? too. Yeah. yeah. But, but in hindsight, it's like, dang. Like, we, like why didn't Julio made – he had a catch and he got the lone touchdown or one of the two touchdown passes. Cool. But, like, in a whole season mm-hmm. of Julio Jones, like, I, I could have done without him. And I'm sure Julio could have done without this situation. I didn't Julio's, Julio's knees could have done without it the yes. entire season. Like, and that's nothing Julio's against career. Julio Jones. Right. Nothing. But it, it's mm-hmm. that's mainly on the box because Julio's gonna go to a team that wants to sign him. If Tom Brady wants to throw to me, I'm gonna go there. That's more yeah. on the box of not just going and getting the shiny object. Break mm-hmm. sit down, figure out what exactly you need and where you need it, and make that move instead of the move yeah. that's gonna land you on the, the first. A segment of first take. Like I don't, I don't need that move this off season. Make like, it make sense. Make so, it make sense. That I do was have the a question on, this on this, for sure. On on this kind of theme of what, what we should do. Two big questions. One a little less big. One is going to be the biggest question <laughs> we all going to answer. So, and this probably could have went in our team updates, but the the news of the Buccaneers are expected to fire offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich. To be honest, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been surprised if they made the move before we hopped on this morning. We're recording at Wednesday. At, we started at 9 a.m. I wouldn't have been surprised <laughs> if we heard it already, to be honest, because right. of how much dysfunction, how much butting heads you could see. In your opinion, Casey, before I get to mine, do you think do you think the Bucks will and or should get rid of Byron Leftwich this offseason? They absolutely should. And that's nothing personal against Leftwich. I think Leftwich needs a little bit more mentorship or he needs to go fulfill a head coaching role somewhere else and see what that level of accountability and strategizing actually looks and feels like. You know, I kind of, people are going to probably be mad about this. I somewhat feel a little bit bad for Leftwich because here's the thing. That's not taking away from the fact that he doesn't. Oh, Casey. Wait, it's not taking away from the fact that he has made immense mistakes, immense mistakes all season long. It doesn't take away from the fact that he's put up BS press conferences. It's the fact that I think he's one of those people where he's letting his ego sit in the driver's seat. He's gotten this far. He's been a part of head coaching conversations, and he doesn't have the the humility to say – I am not ready yet. I still have things to learn. I'm going to get back in the learner seat. I'm going to remove my ego from the situation, and I'm going to figure out a way to actually become a quality OC or a quality head coach. So while I'm obviously naming characteristics that are going to hinder him, of course, as a human, I feel a little sorry for him because he's holding himself back. He's not owning up to the fact that he is not ready for this task. It's a tall task. Being a coach in the NFL, being a coach in any professional capacity is tedious. It's exhausting. It's almost more exhausting than being the actual professional athlete itself because of all the moving pieces Mm -hmm. that you have to make sure that you are putting the best interest in. I don't think he's ready. I don't think he's owning that fact. I think he has that mentality of he's come this far. He's in it. You know, it's like people... (laughs) it's like people in different scenarios in life. I always go back to talking crap about relationships where people are like, you know, when you, when the relationship looks toxic, but the people know that it's toxic, but they're like, Oh, well, we don't want to yeah, give we, people we, the sound of put, mind to know that they were right. That this or was we put situation. So much, we put so much time into, to get to where we are now. Exactly. Like, how do I like, we can only just throw it like, we're not going to break up. Cause we, we've done, we've, we've 
put all this history right. in. We have a Super Bowl together. We have this together. We have that together. We're not just going to, I'm not going to change now. Right. That just I'm doesn't want now. to give naysayers and haters the, you were right light. So maybe saying I feel bad for left, which isn't the right approach, but in no, the same no. sense, I think that he is not ready. And I think that he and Bowles and, and all these guys are too far into this toxic relationship to say the truth, because I'm not going to lie. And I, I want to quickly get to your point too, but some of the quotes from yesterday's presser were just upsetting. Yeah. Todd Bowles to step to the podium yet again and be like, well, I have no assessment of, of left, which you're not helping him Bowles. Crap. You're hurting him. You are hindering him. You're not having anything for him to reflect on and say, Oh, I actually needed to do X, Y, and Z better. They keep going up there and blowing smoke up the same situation. And it's just, it's frustrating. So yet again, here we are in a, in a very unaccountable just underwhelming press conference where you're just like, are they going to just keep looking out for each other? Like, is this what we're in for? Is he not going to get rid of Leftwich it's, it's because like not, there's something he knows that we don't know? It's not even like a looking out. It's like a like shielding him. It's like, yeah, I, or, I don't want to embarrass him in front of the public, so I'm not going to say my real assessment of him because it's bad. You know what I mean? I don't, I, I'll, I'll leave that behind. it's stupid because no, it's as, a, as a person, you can step to a podium and say, hey, We've had a journey together. We've been through it on this team. I respect the hell out of this human. It just might not be the right fit as we make some changes. How can you step to a podium and say that you're looking to start a rebuild, which rebuilds take a minimum of, what, three years, but you're not going to own up to the fact that he's probably not the best guy for this rebuild? There's a there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a nice way to say everything. Yeah, there, These two right say way. nothing. And it, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if – Bulls and Leftwich don't talk outside of Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. You know what I mean? Like when they go home and when they got their off days, they don't talk. When they're outside of the, the facility, they don't talk. You know what I mean? Off season comes wow. around. They leave in February. I'll see you in August. I'll see you in July. Like I, I don't I don't think there's shooting a shooting emails. Yeah. I hope updates. this finds you well type stuff. Yeah. Like, like, like it's terrible. Like, like that's what I see. But but here's here is what I see from Leftwich. The he's not ready point is perfect he's not ready and if, if mm -hmm. top if we saw top bowls first head coaching job go this way i can't imagine what byron leftwich first head coaching job is going to look like so let's not even let's not even bring the brother there what i saw top bowls do was crash into the bushes when we took the training wheels off and the training wheels name was bruce arians bruce arians yep. was the primary play, play call last year this probably goes both for top bowls and byron leftwich because Bruce Arians was like he was the top and he knew how to command this team. He knew how to get this team to respond. And all Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich had to do was play their coordinator roles. And mm -hmm. Bruce Arians was the head coach. So Todd Bowles didn't have to do a focus on the defense. Bruce Arians was the primary offensive play caller. So Byron Leftwich just had to fill in where he was needed. And I don't want to say just had to, like it's that's an easy job. But you not yeah, do the whole. Simplifying it. You not do the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. You're you're there to provide the extra expertise on this play drive, etc., to put us over yep. the top to get us successful. When you have to run the show completely, and now it's not Bruce Arians fighting with Tom Brady over who should call the plays. It's me fighting with Tom Brady over who should call the plays, and then I'm going out there and not calling good plays. Like that's you know right. what I mean. So I. I hesitate in saying get rid of them because this was the first year we saw both of them without their training wheels. And there's a part of me that's like, 
is there no room for improvement anymore in this league? Is there no room for earning your stripes and, and, you know, having a bad season, learning from it and coming back. If this was year two, three, four that we'd seen from these two and there was no, there, there was no improvement, Casey, I'd walk him to the plank myself. I really, really would. I'd I'll right say on. these two things on your point because you're right. Should there be a room for improvement? Sure. It's the fact that these, both of these guys, and this is not with a, with any lack of respect or little respect. I respect anybody that can do anything on a professional level. I respect the pressure. I respect the, the, the mentality that this takes. It's tough. And the internal warfare of your decisions and outside decisions has got to be complex beyond means. I respect the hell out of both of these guys. But what I will say is I don't think that they get a second chance. Because they lacked a huge thing this entire season. Actually, two. Humility and accountability. We saw a lot of coaching issues happen across the league. Those coaches were able to sit on the podium and say, I didn't make the best decision that day. I didn't make the best play call in that moment. I didn't manage the clock very well. I did not. We have not heard Leftwich or Bowles come to the table and take any sort of direct responsibility or accountability for the lack of direction for this team, for the lack of momentum, chemistry. I mean, another thing, Coach Bowles in his press conference, he basically said that he didn't feel like this team lacked chemistry. They didn't look like a team that's played together for three seasons, and you brought together so many veterans. You put so much money into having veterans. So if it wasn't the fact that they've played together for two, three seasons, it was the fact that they're such an elite veteran that they're just going to click right in. No, no, they have to take accountability for what did not. And you have still yet to hear that. So my second point on this is the fact that if Brady comes back, give him the clean slate, start the rebuild with a quarterback like Tom Brady and have his direction on things because, you know, you want the insight of somebody who's seeing it from the field perspective, not the sideline perspective. And clearly he did not not that he didn't work well, but it didn't work out with him, Leftwich and and Coach Bowles. So yeah. if Tom Brady comes back, I think, you know, bring somebody else in. Is that does that mean immediately the the season's gonna change and stuff? No. But I think that that starts the rebuild era with a guy who can at least coach up a quarterback or somebody else that's coming in. They still need to get a quarterback. They showed me that they have no trust or faith in Kyle Trask this season, and I'm over the conversation. Yeah, Sorry, Gator fans. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk yeah. about it. I don't want Kyle Trask under center next year. Sorry about it. Like you, if, if I'm wrong about it, I'll 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 die on that hill with being wrong about it. I'm cool with being right. wrong about Kyle Trask. But that's not what I want to see. But the Tom Brady point is perfect, Casey, because I think that is one of the biggest components you have to ask yourself about Byron Leftwich is if he comes back, are we confident that he can establish, reestablish that relationship with Tom Brady as a play caller quarterback and, and have it be successful? Because that that's mm-hmm. and and it's tough because I think the two correlate with one another. Like right. If you bring back Leftwich, do you bring back Brady? If you bring back Brady, do you bring back Leftwich? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, as the Buccaneers, you have to decide on which one you'd rather bring back first and then ask yourself, can the other co- coexist and succeed with the person I want to bring back? Yep. If you want to bring back Byron Leftwich, then the secondary question is, is Tom Brady the quarterback? If you want to bring back Tom Brady, then the question is, is Byron Leftwich the, head, the, the offensive coordinator? And that's... right. 
that's when I'm happy I'm not a GM because that's not something I even know. I've, I don't know if I have the answer. To that. I'm not sure. Like I'm 100% not sure. But I think that can that lends us perfectly into the biggest conversation the Bucks will have, the biggest conversation probably in the league this offseason, again, for the third year in a row, which is – Keep Casey, your I'm emotions tired. in check. Casey, Keep I'm your emotions tired. in check. Casey, I'm tired. We have – I had it when we won the Super Bowl. I had it last year, twice in one offseason, and now I'm having it mm-hmm. again. It's like, what do we do with Tom Brady – do we bring Tom Brady back? Does he want to come back? What do you think is the future with Tom Brady in the pewter and red? Oh, I hate this question so much right now because Terrible. I'm glad you're going this is first. Where, I'm glad you're going. <laughs> this is where the truth, this is where I think a big truth will be revealed because here's the thing. You've already been here for a couple of years. Any athlete that I have talked to, while they want to play the game that they love as long as they possibly and physically can, they prefer to do that with as little change in teams as possible. You know, Uh, it's such an honorary thing to wear the same jersey or sweater for your entire career, let alone maybe two. Mm -hmm. So now we're talking about the one of the greatest to ever do it, the GOAT of football. Does he really want to do another team? Does he really want to? And it's not all, you know, it's not all as simple as, I mean, now people, there's it's debatable because he came to Tampa Bay, won a Super Bowl year one, but it may not always be that simple. So mm-hmm. with that said, I think that there's a part of Brady that's like, look, I'm already in Tampa, established, brought TV 12 here, brought business here, became a part of this community, showed a little bit more of myself. It is bigger than football. It is a little bit bigger see. than, fo- you're right. It is a little bit bigger than football yeah. sometimes. He's, this he is has a guy who just, down there. yeah. Exactly. He's just gone through a divorce. So here's the next thing. Now you've got the split time with your kids. Your kids started to get situated here when you guys were still a family. Now this has been second home base, you know, in the midst of all of the turmoil that is separation. Do you really want to reacclimate your kids elsewhere again, reacclimate yourself somewhere again. You're talking about a 45 year old who's going to be 46 by the time of this season and take it from a military brat. (laughs) I was always gun ho about the move. Oh, we've got six months in this city. Cool. I'll play this sport for six months. I'll have my bags packed by this month and then let's go. But then by the seventh move, I was just kind of like, all right, guys. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Can we, can we settle down somewhere? Yeah. Exactly. Just from like a bigger perspective of what all goes into these movements for these athletes, for these guys, you know, I do. I personally think Tom wants to do that. No, but do I think that his voice has to be heard and what's going to happen with coaching and what's going to happen with, you know, off season movements and stuff. Cause let's also paint this picture really quick because you said something so key multiple times. This segment, James is stop going for the big names. Stop going for what Please. sounds cool. Sounds fun. Sounds Please. whatever, because how many teams of, of the Patriots did Brady lead that you learned about? You learned about a white Chris Hogan. Brady created yeah. that. Yeah. Chris yeah. Hogan's a perfect Hogan. example. Yeah. A perfect example. It was Brady. It was the leadership. It was the organization. It was the structure. It was the accountability. Just because the Patriots weren't vocal doesn't mean that there wasn't accountability behind those closed doors. Mm-hmm. Bill Belichick, I promise you, probably has the demeanor of one that says, ah, that wasn't my brightest moment. Let's fix this. You know, that's what makes him one of the yeah, greats. Just because he's not putting it on public display doesn't mean it's not happening. So all that to say that I think 
the ideal move here is that there's going to be a lot of dead cap space when Brady leaves that this team can't really afford if they're going to make any moves to actually benefit this team in the offseason. That means spending money in the offseason. That means making quality moves in the draft. I think they had kind of a crappy previous draft, to be honest. So in order to really hone in on this rebuild, do it with a familiar quarterback that has a leadership mentality that can help train up guys who can help elevate guys mentally as well. Because anybody that comes within reach of Tom Brady, all of a sudden it wants to do better, live better, be better. So mm-hmm. th- his Stop presence plays Brown. a huge role, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> some people are, <laughs> you can't save them all, but yeah. you know, it, it's this, it's the fact that just being the, it's the presence of what Brady is. It's the avoiding the dead cap space. And it's also giving him, a more respectful season. I would love to see Brady come in here and at least win, you know, nine, 10 games. At least win, right? At least win. (laughs) At least win and do it in a, and do it in a less chaotic fashion. There's exciting games. And then there's just like, you know, the roller coaster that we've all been on this entire season. We we didn't live in here at all. Casey, we lived in the extreme, you know, you saw the Carolina game and the, and the the Rams game. You're like, there he is. And then you see mm-hmm. pretty much every other, the Browns game and all, and you're like, who is that? You know what I mean? We didn't, we didn't live in, in consistency at all, all season. Zero. So, Give him a consistent goodbye. And I'll, I'll, I'll close out my Tom Brady point with this. Cause we have to hear yours is the fact of, I also, if I was Brady and wanted to continue playing football and didn't want to have to deal with, you know, which team, how's it going to go, whatever, whatever, whatever. I would also consider this, obviously this off season, there was a lot more going on than anybody knew until training camp that weighs on a human being. So having an off season where you're not wondering, yeah. Having an off season where you're not wondering, you know, Hey, is my family going to stay together? Hey, can I save this marriage? Hey, did I make the right decision? Hey, 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 there was so much internal conflict for Brady and he did the best that he possibly can to, you know, suppress it, minimize it, keep it outside of the field, which is great. It doesn't, didn't work. No, but it's a lot to have going on in your mental when you're trying to focus yeah. ideally on building, you know, having a team function the best way that it needs to function. Yeah. I think having another off season where you can be in full control and not have all of these question marks, have a full training camp, have that report on that chemistry. I don't care if you've been in the league for 22, 23, 24 years. Clearly training that. camp is important you, for a reason matters. because it guess matters. what? These rookies that you're training up, these second years that you're training up, they haven't been in the league forever. They still need that time to get to know you on a personal level. Yeah. And, and for sure. And like Tom knows that this is the first, the first OTA he's missed in 21 years. Like mm-hmm. a lot, there are a lot of veterans who don't go to OTAs who don't go to um, optional workouts and Brady had been to all of them except this year. So that's what, that's why everyone kind of knew something's, something's wrong. Something's up mm-hmm. with Tom. People thought it was injury and health related. Turns out it was family related. Um, and, and that's where he gets the benefit of the doubt from, from you, from me, from everybody is like, when you look at context, he didn't get a fair shake this year. He didn't like he, he, as a man, as a father, as what was, you know, at that time, still a husband, he had things he had to attend to that were bigger than football. And you, and you have yep. to understand him for that. Um, and even when those things kind of, you know, came to the resolution and it, and it wasn't a good one, that's still weighing over his head. Then you have external factors like, I don't want to give him too much time, but like Antonio Brown making life literally hard for you on a day-to-day basis with stuff yeah, like before this. every game. And you and you never got to focus. And, and winning an NFL championship, winning a Super Bowl was the hardest, to me, is the hardest 
championship in sports. It's, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a one loss playoff. You don't get a series to kind of undo it. You have to travel to these cold places and, and play at all these different random times. You know what I mean? Like it's hard yeah. to win a Super Bowl. You're not going to do it. If you're not 100% dialed in, you're just not. Like if you're yeah. playing a game at four and you have to worry about going to a, a divorce hearing at eight, like you're not like you're just not going to play well. So I am interested to see like my answer to, to, to put the quick answer on it. I've, I've thought about it for a couple of days, really sad with myself since what I watched on Monday and really had to like gut check myself and be like, do I still like Tom Brady? Cause I'm not really happy with him right now. Like, do I still like him as a player? And I've settled with yes on conditions. And, okay. and the condition is, and, and not to hold this to Tom, but mm-hmm. I want Tom back if he can have that clean slate that you said. If I can go into OTAs and to the offseason with, without external process. factors that are going to take me away from football. Life is not perfect. There's going to be something. But if you have mm-hmm. external factors, Tom, that you know about that are still going to take you away from football, do yourself, do Tampa, do everybody a service and like tend to those fully. Like don't, don't, cause it's not fair to everybody else in that organization. When you are the clear leader of the team, when you're here half the time, when you're dialed in half the time, because the other part of it, of why, if Brady comes back on conditions is I only want him to come back. If he can still be that motivator, that leader yep. that we saw bring Chris Hogan to a super bowl and almost had him as a super bowl MVP. That could bring Danny Amendola and Wes Welker and Julian Edelman. Like, my goodness, listen to the names he brought to Super Bowls. Because he was a leader. Because when he stepped in that locker room and said, we're winning this game, the other 51 people on the other 52 people on that roster was like, you know what, he's right. They're not Mm -hmm. wondering if Tom is right. They're like, yeah, I believe that, so let's go follow him. One of the best things I heard Levante David say the year after they won the Super Bowl was the ultimate confidence that he instilled in the team. Like when they were down in games and Brady would look at him and be like, guys, we're still winning this game. We should have to do this, that, and the third. The players mm-hmm. would be like, he's right. Let's just go do this, that, and the third. And then they would win the game. I don't yeah. think Brady had that pull this year. And I nope. think that he tried to do it and he just didn't, it didn't have the same effect. Didn't have the same response. He's yelling at his guys on the sideline. You're so much better than how you're playing. But that didn't flip the switch in them and have them say, like, you're right. Let's go play the way Tom knows we can play. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that's hard to motivate players when I was here for a month hurting myself and battling. And yep. you're just not – there's no word from you. No one knows where you are. No, you know what I mean? And then one mm-hmm. day you pop back up and, you, and you're, you're trying to, like, yell at me. And put, that's, I'm a grown man. Like, why do I have to answer? And you don't, I don't like at some point, I don't care if you're Tom Brady. I don't care if you're a three-time MVP and a seven-time champion, a four-time Super Bowl champion. If I'm out here busting my ass in August and September, I need you here with me. Yeah. If, 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 I, I'm, if I'm in three hour long meetings before the season starts, I need you here with me. Mm-hmm. If I'm, if I'm staying late at the, the, the facility, and I'm Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Russell Gage. Like, I don't want Blaine Gabbert throwing to me. Like, I want Tom throwing <laughs> to me. I don't want Kyle Trash throwing to me. I want Tom yeah. throwing to me. And when Tom comes back, I, I, like, I know me personally, I wouldn't be able to fully listen to you if I know that, like, bro, like you weren't even here, bro. 
Like you were, you weren't mm-hmm. even, you weren't even in the trenches with us. So I want Tom back. If those things happen, like if, if that's, and I think without external distractions, I'm more confident that it can. Yeah. I think that those are great conditions. Tom's still there. Yeah, of course. He's still in, he's still in there amongst the the, the debris. So if we remove Mm -hmm. the debris, maybe we see the Tom Brady of 2020 and 2021. Yep. And I think that that's, that's crucial and important because it just, it, it, it restructured the tone. It restructured the camaraderie on this team and whether Todd Bowles was blind or not, I never saw the chemistry this year. I yeah. saw players that no longer wanted to have embarrassing performances and really tried to pull through on certain and uncertain, you know, circumstances, but one person can't do it. Three people can't do it. Not on, you know, not on a football roster. This yeah. isn't another sport where you can put this all on anyone's shoulders in particular. So a lot of great points there. Um, and yeah, fair points, unless he can come back and be focused and be fully submerged as a part of the team, regardless of his age and his tenure and how long he's been in this league. It's just feeling like it's feeling like one of the guys, you know, I've, yeah. I've, I've observed, I've grown up with boys. I've <laughs> been around a lot of male conversations. It's always about just being one of the boys. And yeah. I don't think that that, 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 uh, that was set in any way in particular at all this season. I think they were trying to play catch up and then I think mm-hmm. they were trying to force that chemistry, that camaraderie. And then at some point, I think people got tired of the Tom Brady conversation throughout the season. And some people may have not realized it, but subconsciously they shut down and there yeah. was a lot of individual play and mentality. And then they became a team for a second. And then the theme overall, this team is just inconsistent. So it's going to come back to accountability. It's going to come back to leadership. Some quick read offs of fans that, um, what said they what they want to see in the off season. Um, thank you guys again for keeping it classy because we remember everybody's human here. Pass rusher needed move worfs to left tackle or left tackle. They said LT and LT <laughs> dynamic yeah. thinker as OC bulls to hand over play calling on D. So can, can concrete on team as a whole. Okay. Thank you for half of that English uh, fire bowls and left, which draft O line and D line and a speedy receiver. Thank you, Logan. Uh, Bulls left, which Donovan Gadecki need to go re-sign Levante and everything else will fall into place. Found that one to be interesting because Levante David is in a contract year. There's it a lot is. of guys we'll be keeping a close eye on and be bringing you guys news about here on Jolly Rogers and touchdowns. Um, bring in Todd Munkin at OC swap D Smith and Worfs draft O offensive tackle round one play him in the interior for a short term potential long term uh right tackle i want to pause on that one i want to pause on that one for a little bit (laughs) todd munkin that's the name that's the the, do we that's the name that they do we remember how we looked when it was dirt cutter and todd munkin running the do we remember cutter back into this conversation like i am i am flabbergasted that i just heard the name todd munkin like like i know what hey (laughs) Buccaneers fans, Jolly Rogers and touchdown fans. I know it don't seem good right now. I know that <laughs> I know that this relationship is hitting a rough patch. Don't run back to your toxic ex just because you're just because it looked dark now. I do, I do not want Todd Munkin. I do not want Dirk Cutter. I'd rather keep what I got than go back to those guys. Like I'm, you got to stay forward. Onward we are motion. not going back there. We're not going back. There. Onward motion. The BT, the yeah. PTSD that hit me when you said. Cutter. <laughs> yeah, like why do we, why do we want any resemblance of that? Why do we want that? No, 
no, no, no, no, no. And I'm so glad that you addressed that right away. Well, yeah, no, let's, 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 let's the next one. Put that one down. Uh, they say bye bye to SMB, Devin White, Julio Hicks, and Lenny. <laughs> they keep Jamal Jamil Dean somehow. Sorry, guys. Jamil Dean. QB, Trask, one year to show it. If bad, we draft one in 2024. I do not want to see Kyle Trask in the pocket. I'm sorry, guys. Again, again, 2023 again draft, offensive line, pass rusher, wide receiver with speed, quarterback, inside linebacker. Ugh, that's a lot. How many, dra- <laughs> how many draft picks do we have? Like, where, where we right. draft them, like, But it's funny because at the end he caught himself and goes, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> Maybe pick one we or two. We need a little bit more structure and strategy yeah, let's, there. Let's but we like see what you're on to. Um, have the ownership announced, this is the second to last one I'll do, have the ownership announced that this is the next two, that the next two years will be a growth period for the team, which means letting go of some staples. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Love this. This very mature response. That's self-aware. That's self, that's very self-aware. I, you know what? And, mm, and, and picture perfect. That's setting expectations. That's setting an expectation because I, I think this is what set, reality looks like. We've set lofty expectations for this team. Maybe it's time to set realistic, realistic expectations. That's not that's mm-hmm. not saying how well the team is going to do wins or loss wise. That's just letting right. everybody know that when you see growing pains, don't you know, what I mean, don't throw a pitchfork at us because we said this yeah. is going to be a growing period. I'm OK with that one. I'm okay with that. And to know that and understand that and to make logical moves, a mm-hmm. growing period can can be exciting. It can be. He said, build a solid line, move Lenny, bring in Jamal Williams, decide on Trask. Definitely decide on Trask. Jamal Williams. Um, and that's not, that's not Trask, Kate, guys. That's just the fact that, like, if this team had faith in Trask, we would have seen him in more fourth quarter. Situations. Yeah, we probably would have seen him by now. Yeah, we would have seen him in something. Yeah. yeah. I don't care how much Tom Brady wants to play football. He's not the future of this team anymore. This this was the time to see how much did he learn from Brady? How much did he, you know, how much did he learn? We didn't get to see that. And then when we saw the Dolphins game, I don't want to talk about it. No, inactive all freaking year long, just about. Um, And then I'll close out with this one because most of them obviously say, you know, get rid of Leftwich, get rid of um, Bowles. Hit the reset button now. If a QB is in reach in the draft, Richardson is one this particular guy has in mind. Be aggressive. If not, sit and pick best available. Clear big contracts ready to start building in 2024. So there's a good amount of fans that are just ready mentally for that to rebuild start it phase. Now. To exactly. Start it now. There's other there's other ones that are like, hey, let's get rid of some of those veterans that we've had too much faith in and let's bring in some other players and move from there. This one gave me a great laugh. <laughs> Casey Hudson, Bucks advisor, Darden wouldn't have been collecting a paycheck for so long if you had your say. Hmm. I'm not going to say I was right. I'm not going to say. <laughs> Proof is in the right that. there. Proof is in the putty yeah. right there. So, fans, we love when you guys respond. We love hearing your, um, you know, how, what you guys think, what you guys feel. At the end of the day, sports, football, this is, sports. you know, it's family if we all get to talk about it. It's family if we all get to live in the emotions of it. Ride the roller coaster that is the Bucks or whatever team that you support. But that is what it is. It's, it's emotions. It's camaraderie. It's uh, agreements. It's civil disagreements don't get out of hand because it is a sport at the end of it all but we're just so excited to continue to talk with you guys this off season there's so much to look forward to um i'm ready to get into draft conversations i'm ready to look at some colleges i'm ready to review senior bowl and all the things that are coming up and james myself and some other exciting guests we will be rotating people in and bringing you the best information and key entertainment on jolly rogers and touchdowns but before we go we have to send some people off the plank. My first James. one, because Casey, I do a <laughs> lot of this. 
you guys don't hear me, but I do a lot of this behind the scenes. Like when you and Kaylee would do walk the plank, I would just off camera, mic muted. I would just start talking and getting my frustrations out. It would be very therapeutic, but it's going to be even better that you guys can hear it this time. So (laughs) what I need to walk the plank, it's not a person in particular. It's a concept. It's a style. Mm. Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich's reserveness, conservativeness. That needs to ah. go. That needs to go. And I think if if those two are going to come back, that's probably the biggest change I need to see is stop being so conserved, reserved, and I think sometimes timid slash scared. And I think that's yes. what it's a timidness. It's not a reservedness. It's a timidness. Doors got to get blown off of that. Because when you go from a guy like Bruce Arians, who was, and you talked about it a lot this year, Casey, I will give you a lot of credit, you in particular, of saying this, of Bruce Arians is it in your face. If it's got to be said, I'm going to say it, and I don't care who got to hear it. Mm-hmm. He publicly called out Tom Brady in the Super Bowl year. Five games yeah. under their belt. Publicly called out Tom Brady after a game. And they said, "What's the? what was the reason you lost the game? He said verbatim, the quarterback play. We got one. Yep. We got one of those. We got one of those. He's talking about one person, you know. <laughs> but it, but it's that kind. Of, you like Bruce Arians doesn't allow you to run from what's wrong. He didn't right. allow you to sweep things under the rug, to turn a cheek, to ignore it. He, if there was a problem, we are addressing it head on, because that's the only yeah. way we're going to get through it in a short sixteen game season. The only way we're going to get through adversity is to go through adversity, right? Like we got yep. to face these things head on. So Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich's kind of, you know, their, their, their desire to, to kind of like uh, dissolve or diffuse the situation yeah. to shield guys and press conferences to almost like not address what we all knew was the problem. Like that wasn't helping. It wasn't keeping guys accountable. It wasn't keeping guys hungry. And like, if I'm other guys on the team and I know there's a clear deficiency and I'm seeing my coach dance around it, what do you think that does for me? Like, what do you think that does for me who who is perceived to be doing their job when you're not holding your guys to the standard of which I'm playing to the standard that wants a Super Bowl? Like, we know what we can do. And the conservativeness translates on the field as well. Like, I think the Bucks had some opportunities to bring it all the way back to the Monday night game, had some opportunities to kind of claw their way back into the game. And when you have a fourth and three on the 50, fourth and four on the 50, and you're still down only two scores, why, why is Jake Kamara jogging on the field? Why, why are we, we, there is no next week. If we lose this, right. there is no next week. There is no tomorrow. Why, why are we being conserved in this moment? We, we have, we have yet to do it all season. This is the perfect time to do it now. Like there's no, there's nothing left to play for. Like, you know what I mean? Like and go still for nothing. It. show yep. some confidence in your quarterback, show some confidence in your team, like show some, Hey, I know it's not what we should do on paper, but I, do y'all want it? Cause I want it. So let's go right. get it then. Let's, let's, let's go get it. Let's put them on their back heels for a play, not give them the ball back. Like, and yep. I think, that we saw it all the time, all the time. It's a third and 10, but the play call is a first read kind of quick <sighs> throw out to Chris Godwin on a quick, quick, quick slant and ask him to pick up seven yards after the catch. Like that's a right. conservative play call. And so that, that needs to go. 
I need I need to see us. I need to see them as a head coach and primary play caller kind of not be so reserved, not be so conserved. And I think that's how you get the responses from your team because that's what that's how Bruce was able to get this team to respond. It's, yeah. It's, and we're in your to face about respect. it. Yeah, it's and in to your get face their respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for me, I have to go along the lines of, and hopefully this makes some sense, um, <laughs> with the off-season moves, conversations that are, are taking place as we speak, um, I know a lot of season ticket members were upset because they were forced to sign for two seasons for their season tickets. Mm. Um, and ah. now we're heading into a very big questionable season coming up here. So I, I – We've got to be understanding of and realistic of what's to come. Bucks fans, we've been through this. So I'm not particularly sending Bucks fans off the plank. It's more so the fact in the strategy that went behind, like, let's lock them in for two years. I think that that was just kind of kind of selfish. Low propaganda. Low propaganda from the Bucks. Yeah, a little bit of propaganda. Yeah, because here's them. the thing. You're, you're basing that around a guy who, like, yeah, well, you know, we should probably hopefully have – not probably, but hopefully have Brady back for one more year if he can actually show up for this team. Um, you know, locking people into a two-year situation, now having to have them go through selling tickets, the selling ticket process is getting out of hand. Now we're having, Jeff put it so perfectly, more outside fans and inside fans mm-hmm. in, in the in the stadium and stuff. It just created all of this un, unnecessary um, extra layer of drama to it. So just more of the front office decision, the marketing decision to make a move like that when you know that there was always going to be question marks around Tom Brady in two years. And I only say that heading into the offseason because I have a lot of people that are going to reach out to me uh, complaining about that. And, guys, I can't do anything. Just don't sell your tickets to opposing things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know who you're selling your tickets to. Keep it in the family, guys. Keep it in the family. Um, But – Jolly Roger fans, Bucks fans, we love you so much, James. It was beyond a pleasure to be able to sit here and talk with you. Uh, Fans, you get an inside look of what it's like to talk to your producer and have these great conversations. And basically what his tone is in the chat, um, a great Bucks fan, great mind, great voice. James, I have so much love and respect for you. And this was such a fun episode. Um, While the recapping may have not been as much fun, the team updates were fun. Hearing from you fans is always a great time. And then, of course, walking the plank in off-season conversations. We'll be here to stay. So much to get into in this off-season. We'll have some fun topics for you guys, some fun guests. In order to stay up to date on all of this excitement in the off-season that we promise to bring you because, guys, after the season we just had, the off-season at least has to be a bright spot, right? Stay with us over at Jolly Rogers TDS on Twitter and Instagram. Hit that follow button on both of those social platforms. Download the Odyssey app, follow Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns, hit that auto download button, or stream Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns on any of your favorite streaming platforms to share these conversations, to jump on Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns for a therapy session, invite friends, invite families, invite all football fans, because the football season may be over, but the football talk is not. I'm Casey Hudson, joined by James Jackson, and we'll catch you next time here on Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns.